The following is a Pro Football Network podcast, the primary voice for pro football at profootballnetwork.com. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the PFN Premier NFL Draft Podcast. Uh, we're back talking NFL draft prospects for the 2023 cycle. Ali, this is the last podcast of ours before you were going away for quite a bit on paternity leave, man. I, I got to say, I'm going to miss you. Uh, but how how are you holding up? This is a big event for you, man. How how are you? Are you excited? Are you a little anxious? A little bit of both? What, how are you feeling? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, looking forward to it, man. I'm super excited. We're um, yeah, this we're recording this on Tuesday, so this will go out tomorrow. I'll be sat in the in the hospital tomorrow, welcoming uh, welcoming our, our little boy into the world. I'm super excited, man. It's going to be weird, like four weeks of not sitting here and talking to you every Monday. I mean, I know it's Tuesday no, today. We're I'm recording. Gonna, I'm going to have to but, resist the urge to send you messages at five or six a.m. about random prospects. I'll be like, "Oh, he's probably got his hands full." I'm not going to lie. So to, no, to do not, that do not fight. Yeah, do not fight. Yeah, to do that. Throw me a message. I'll be awake. You know me. Like exactly. People go. People go. Oh, like when you have a baby, you don't sleep. Well, I, I don't sleep anyway. So yeah, exactly. I it's not even an adjustment. Ollie's like, what? <laughs> yeah, what's the issue? Okay, let's do this. <laughs> All right. Well, exactly, hey, what, whatever happened, I'm going to miss you, man. Going to be going to be great to have you back when that period is over. But exciting time for you. I, I hope everything goes well. Best wishes. Um, But yeah, for the meantime, we're, you're not done with football quite yet. We've got one more podcast to get through. So we're going to get on to it. We've been scouting guys, you know, periodically. There's been but, you know, it, it's interesting at the very start of the cycle, like May, you know, like it, there's scouting going on. There's not a whole lot of I don't want to say narratives because that has a negative connotation. I think people draw conclusions that have merit that start to gain more traction in the June and July months. Uh, now, again, we don't know what the story on this class is yet because there's a whole nother season to go. But June and July is where these early observations start to coalesce and condense into, you know, broad scale observations. Like we were talking about the offensive tackles earlier on, you know, like, hey, these are guys to watch. And now in June, we're hearing, hey, this class might be a little bit weaker than previous classes or maybe with the quarterback class like hey we know these two guys like early on it was like yeah cj stroud bryce young those are the guys to know now it's like those are the top two and there's a big gap between them and the next and the next best guys so we're starting to see these individual evaluations start to kind of pull up and, and kind of create these these takeaways broad scale so what we're going to do with this podcast the last one before ollie goes away on paternity leave for a little bit uh, we're going to talk about that. You know, honestly, I think there's a few very intriguing storylines to kind of attack and hone in on. And the first one, you know, I think this is one that I've been grappling with for really the whole the whole tenure of my scouting career. You know, so far every year is the quarterback situation. And I think you phrased it very well earlier pre-meeting, uh, you know, upside versus refinement, you know, the, 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 the talent and how that the physical tools versus the mental traits, because at quarterback, it's such a it's such a um, complex puzzle, I guess is a good way to put it, you know, and this is something that I really grappled with when I was creating my grading scale for quarterbacks last cycle is, yeah, you know, I love the arm talent. I love the mobility. You know, I kind of grappled with it for opposite reasons with like Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett, right? With Willis, it's like, yeah, he's got crazy tools, but really subpar in a lot of these areas on the operational side, Kenny Pickett you know, doesn't quite have that elite arm that would boost him to the first round conversation, but he's at, he's athletic. He's got pretty good operational traits, right? So it's a, it's a fine balance. I want to know from you, Ollie, you know, what, how do you lean any certain way in the physical tools versus mental refinement conversation with quarterbacks? 
to me, I feel like it's you need both, right? Like if you're going to be a starter, you need those physical traits. Like that's a prerequisite. I can't have a guy with middling traits be a starter. Now, I was a little higher on Kenny Pickett and his traits. So I was willing to, you know, I was willing to have him pass going round one. But, you know, I do think there's definitely a, a, a conversation to be had there regarding the balance there. So where, where do you lean in that conversation? Because that's something that's kind of been taking up space in Twitter recently. Yeah, it's certainly um, it's certainly an, an interesting one, and and it's kind of <clears throat> the argument is 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 very difficult with regards to the quarterback position specifically because there's there's a a narrative, and you see it with you know you've seen it with the uh, in recent draft classes. There's very much a feeling like from an NFL projection standpoint that the NFL. NFL teams, NFL GMs, head coaches, whoever the decision maker is, a a program, a franchise, and it's a program. That's my that's my college football love sneaking in there. Um, but whoever the decision maker is at a, at a franchise, there's a feeling that um, you can take an elite athlete and coach the um, coach the refinement element of the game into them. And we've seen it with you know edge prospects in particular. You take a, an elite edge, you know, Trayvon Walker, for example, in this recent class, you take a guy who's got elite athletic upside and you bank on being able to coach the the refinement and the technical element of the game into him when he gets to the NFL level. Now, it, it just isn't the same with the quarterback position. And I think that really did come to the fore in this last draft class because you had got a number of guys at, at, at opposite ends of the spectrum, like you say. Like you 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 find a guy like Malik Willis whose physical tools were absolutely off the chart, and but there were some concerns about some of the the, the mental refinement and the, the technical refinement of his game, and we saw you know Malik Willis, we saw Matt Corral, we saw Sam Howell, we've seen you know several quarterbacks in that class slide down when they, we we were touting them as first round prospects based on. Um, on the, the 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 physical tools and the 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 physical upside that they um, showcase, but you now when you look at the quarterback position, you do need to have that mental um, and technical refinement if you're going to be a guy that's going to come into the NFL and and not only hit the ground running but having a sustained career. You know, we're talking about things like. You know, decision making. We're talking about field vision, understanding coverages. Um, those are uh, those elements are incredibly um, important in terms of of quarterback evaluation and, and things like mechanical. You know, the mechanics of the quarterback position are, are so important um, when you're conducting an evaluation. And yes, there has to be a balance because. You look at a guy like, um, and we'll go back to the, the last class because I think there's so, so many great examples within the 2022 NFL draft class where you know evaluating the quarterback position is is concerned because you take a guy like Bailey Zappi, who for me, um, of all the quarterbacks in last year's class, was probably the most mentally refined and most mentally ready to to hit an NFL field. You know, you watch you watch that kid. Pre-snap, post-snap, um, his intelligence, football intelligence, incredibly high, but not quite with the same arm talent as some of the, the more physical guys, uh, guys with the physical tools like you know, like Malik, like Desmond Ridder. So I do think you have to, you do have to find that balance between the physical 
and the technical and mental element of the game. Um, but where, like, compared to, to other positions, I think those mental and technical um, elements, I think they it's more important that they're there as you come out of college at the quarterback position. Um, so I, it's it's super intriguing um, and interesting to to think of this as the NFL would think of it. You know, I, we, we were talking before, interesting conversation that, that has been had across social media with evaluation as a whole. Is like how, how do you evaluate at this time of year? Are you evaluating what a player is now, what they could be? So, so interesting and so intriguing and so many different ways to look at it. And I think one of the, one of the, the, the hard things to, to understand or to, to really factor into our evaluations is how the NFL sees those things when they're evaluating players. Yeah, that's, that's a great point that, you know, when you're providing your own independent analysis, that kind of gets glossed over sometimes, but the NFL and their coaches and their GMs, you know, their, their personnel, they see these players differently than we do because they, they just look at them in a different lens. Like if I, if I were to give you, you know, let's, for instance, let's say the draft was tomorrow and we're talking about Anthony Richardson, right? Like theoretically, if it was tomorrow and we're talking about Richardson, we'd be saying, oh, the sample size is way too small. You know, we, we got to see more of this. We got to see more of that. The decision-making, you know, he goes for the deep play way too often, right? can be a little careless, but he's got all the tools. The NFL, you might look at that player and they're saying, this guy's got the tools that, and we have the coaches to work with them. You know, that's the important element that is added in with the NFL, you know, for a guy like Will Levis too. You know, like I, I recently finished my evaluation of him. I was actually a little bit higher than expected on him. I think he's going to be, he could be my QB three behind Stroud and Young. You know, I do think that he deserves the first round talk that he's getting. Um, but I think, yeah, there, there's definitely some work to do with the field vision, with the processing, with the progression work. But at the same time, like, hey, if you're an NFL coach, you're you're not really thinking about that because, you know, I mean, one, he only has one year as a full time starter under his belt. And two, hey, I mean, if he's shown flashes at the very least, we have the coaches to develop that. That's the thing. You know, like if it, an independent scout on Twitter like myself, like I, I don't have a coaching staff to help prepare these guys. I'm literally just kind of giving my take. Right. So but those guys, they have the resources in place, ideally to help this player you know, go, go from what he is now to what he can be. And that's a very important lens that they that they look at it through that gets lost sometimes when you're just kind of scouting, you know, for, for a job or for fun or whatever. So I always love to kind of think of that exercise, you know, think of it within that lens. And Will Levis is one that I want to stay on for a little bit, just kind of give some, some of the rundown from my evaluation of him because I think he's a great example of what we're talking about right now. You know, and I think... This is another reason that I really wanted to create a grading scale for quarterbacks last cycle, because every single trait that you can think of exists on a spectrum. It's not a matter of this guy has it or this guy doesn't. It's not a matter of this guy has arm talent or he doesn't have arm talent. It's not a matter of, oh, he can process, you know, coverages or he can't process coverages. It's always a spectrum, you know, and so you need to you need to find where a player fits on that spectrum for a certain trait. You know, it's, it's, it's never yes or no, a hundred percent. So looking at Will Levis, you know, he's got the talent for sure. You know, I think you look at, I was really impressed with, you know, six, four, two the guy's a tank, you know, I'm like, he's a tank. Like literally you think about creation capacity for quarterbacks <laughs> and you, you think back to like Lamar Jackson, right? Like that's one of the first guys that comes to mind, elite creator with the ball in his hands. 
Will Levis isn't quite that. He's not really that. He's not super agile for his size. He does have good burst and speed and space. But the thing about Levis is that he consistently breaks tackles. I mean, better than most quarterbacks that I've seen. I mean, if there's a guy, a free rusher in the pocket, he's going to shake him off. He's going to get into space. He's going to keep his legs churning through contact. Very dense, compact frame. Very, very tough player, too. Very tough runner. I'd like him to preserve himself a little bit more, but I I, will, I, I won't lie to you. I love that the dude plays to the finish and lowers his shoulder and has that competitive toughness. He doesn't shy away from contact. So while I'd like him to slide, you know, more often, he definitely has that competitive edge that I want. And then moving off of that, too, you know, the, the passing, the, the arm talent is really there, too. That's another big thing. Uh, you know, he's got elite velocity on his throws. He can throw from different arm angles. He's already kind of got a three-quarters sidearm release. It's not a traditional release, but it works. It's crisp. It's compact. It's fast. Um, and then on top of that, too, you know, his mechanics, I was a lot more impressed. And like you said, that's an important part of it. You know, you got to have the mechanics. That was one reason I was kind of low on Willis after watching him is that, yeah, he's got the arm talent. But his mechanics consistently undermined his process. You know, they're, they're, he's fading back on throws. He's dropping that back foot. His his shoulders aren't always level. Uh, you know, so in his his base isn't always congruent on release, right? So there's a lot of steps to it. You know, maximizing your arm talent through mechanics, and I see Will Levis doing that. Like he's his front foot is consistently in the right spot. He's got snappy lower body mechanics. He can get to that place. He gets great hip rotation consistently. Lot, he loads those hips and he gets that rotation, and that's a good way to generate torque and generate velocity. His shoulders are consistently level, not only in, in phase, but also off platform. So I love to see that from him. His release can be a little concave sometimes, which uh, pushes passes high. But, you know, again, I think that's something you can work on more often than not. He's got very good mechanics. He's pretty accurate, too, you know, more accurate than I expected. I think there are. You know, I think the precision is what he needs to work on because he he consistently gives his receiver a chance. But there are a lot of times, especially over the over the middle of the field, where he's got let's let's say a crossing receiver and he throws his way, and it, the the ball is catchable and it's high velocity, but it's a little behind the receiver. So as he's carrying that momentum upfield, he's got to make this uncomfortable adjustment working back um, at full speed, right? So those I'd like him to lead that a little bit more. I think he is accurate but not precise. And so he can continue to work on that. But yeah, I mean, I think with Will Levis, you're looking at all the talent. So what you got to ask next, and that this kind of ties back to what we were talking about, does he show enough mental promise? Does he show enough there? And again, it's it's not a matter of he can't process or he can. It's always on a spectrum. You got to look for those flashes and see, is this something that he can build on and eventually have it be translatable to the NFL? And I personally, looking at what I saw, I think I think there's something there with the processing. I think it's definitely his worst trait, uh, the processing and the field vision. But I do think he showed some progression across the year, watching Georgia, watching Tennessee. There were lapses in both of those games, but there were also moments where, you know, he's reading the coverage pre-snap. He's identifying mismatches based on the depth of the defensive backs. Uh, so that, you know, so he can identify receivers to go too quickly. You know, he shows flashes of anticipation, you know, behind defender blind spots. Uh, and so that's there. You know, I think there's flashes there. He's occasionally gone high to low with his progressions and he's shown that he can process information quickly and get to that next step. You know, again, I think he, he was pretty play action heavy, you know, a lot of rhythm, timing passes and play action. So 
you know, again, I think he just needs a little more experience with those full field progressions. But again, if he's shown that he has the capacity, he's shown those flashes. And that's enough for me to say right now, okay, he's got that. And then looking back to the physical tools, like he's got the talent to be, be a legit franchise passer. I mean, he's athletic, he's big, he's tough. He's got a great arm. Uh, he's got an elastic arm. So I think that's how you got to look at it is see, is there enough there? You know, with Malik Willis, yeah, there were occasional flashes again, but you know, I, I saw him using his tools more to his detriment, you know, like you'll see him run out, scramble out of the pocket, you know, maybe, maybe get a little skittish and, and scramble out too early. You know, with Levis, I, I see him more standing in. I think he's a little more poised, a little more tough, you know, kind of standing in there, manipulating that space in the pocket. His pocket navigation was also impressive to me. I think it's better than he gets credit for. Uh, but then you look at a guy like Le- uh, Willis or a guy like Howell, you know, they drop their eyes really quickly. You know, they kind of use that running ability as a crutch. And, and with with Levis, I see, you know, it's more he's using it as an accessory to, you know, his already pretty refined passing talent. He's, he's got room to improve. But I was I was pretty impressed. So I think, you know, you just got to look at where it places on that spectrum and is the processing at a high enough level for me not to be an NFL starter right away, but for me to say I, I'm comfortable investing in this guy. For for me, Levis passed that bar. You know, he's still got a lot of room to improve, and I, I hope he takes that leap in the next season. But, yeah, I, I, he passed that for me personally. Yeah, I've been uh, – <clears throat> I've long been a um, a proponent of the fact that Penn State let the wrong quarterback go. When they allowed Will Levis to leave and go to Kentucky and they kept kept hold of Sean Clifford, I think, I think it's very apparent very quickly that they let the wrong quarterback go. And for, <clears throat> excuse me, for all the reasons that you mentioned then, you know, some of the, the arm talent that, that Will Levis shows, some of the, the zip he puts on passes is, is just unnatural and and I'm looking forward to seeing through this 2022 college football season how he how he progresses. And I'm also looking forward to seeing through this 2022 college football season how another example of what we've just been talking about progresses. Because Spencer Rattler, um, for me, is is another quarterback that epitomizes this physical versus mental um traits conversation because a lot of the things that you we've just talked about then in terms of the competitive toughness and the mental um awareness the, the field vision the ability to read coverages the the ability to um the decision making process um at the quarterback position these are the things that um certainly through Last year's decline in Spencer Rattler's game, these are the things that pop out as being the, the biggest issues. You know, we talked about mechanically. Rattler's footwork in the in the pocket is a very clear area for improvement when you watch his tape. Doesn't always set his feet correctly. And you you're talking about um Mully Willis relying on his, his physical tools. Rattler's very much the same the same in that regard. He he relies on the arm talent, the arm strength alone to drive the ball to the deep third or to, to to generate velocity on short and intermediate passes. He doesn't his feet aren't always um set correctly. And and without that, you are just relying on the arm talent and you've you've got um a higher variance for for, for accuracy when you when you solely rely on on the strength of your arm. And you know one of the things that 
um, is very apparent with with Rattler is um, his decision making gets him into trouble. His he locks very very um, very frequently locks onto to one receiver. He doesn't read the full field. Very often throws into double coverage um, or single coverage. Sometimes where where the, his receiver is really tightly covered. And you just think these are these are the things that you want to see a, a quarterback who is operating at a high level um, from a mental fortitude perspective. Um, these are the things you don't want to see on their on their tape, um, and, and they're littered. You know, the two thousand twenties. I, I went back and I'd originally written Spencer Rattler's summer scouting report um, in May last year. I went back, revisited that, watched a ton of games from 2021. So he got like a, a ton of 2020 and 2021 tape on Spencer Rattler. And the the, the issues from a mental perspective um, are that they're quite glaring. I don't think they're um, irreparable, um, but they're certainly hampering his ability to progress in the in this quarterback class. Now, if he can come out at South Carolina this, this season and he shows that he has made strides on that. It is something that he has um, talked about in interviews since he's arrived in South Carolina, that he wants to work on that element of his game, the whole field real, whole field read, easy for me to say. Um, that's the, a significant area of his game that he wants to work on. Now, if he works, if he can work on that, if he can progress in those areas, the physical upside is clear because the arm talent is impressive. Rapid release, gets the ball out quickly, gets the ball out with velocity and zip and short to intermediate areas. He's got the arm to hit the deep third and wasn't a lot of that on his 2021 tape. He wasn't often tasked with throwing to the deep third. A lot of quick stuff, a lot of short into intermediate stuff on his game, but that doesn't mean that he cannot do it. Um, Throws very well on the run. He's, He's not an elite athlete by any stretch of the imagination. You know, we're talking about Will Levis there. He's, he's not an elite athlete, but Rattler has the... <laughs> oh, excuse me. Rattler does have the ability to extend plays and sometimes actually gets itchy trigger feet in the pocket. You know, he will escape a clean pocket. And that, again, comes down to the, the mental awareness um, aspect, the poise aspect of the game that's, uh, again, such a, a pivotal point of quarterback evaluation. Um, but when you when you look at the, the the upside, the potential upside with the physical tools, there was a reason why Rattler was being discussed as a QB one last year. And I know a lot of people were derogatory about media and analysts who who talked about Rattler in glowing terms last last May, last June, last July. But there was a reason why he was in that conversation. And I think if he can steady the ship at South Carolina, if he can showcase the 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 physical tools um while working on the 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 mental and technical refinement to his game there's every reason to believe that he he could be a challenger in this quarterback class but i think you know between those two guys rattler and will levis they are a fascinating um case study um, for quarterback evaluation in this 2023 nfl draft class yeah for sure they're, they're both kind of i don't want to say similar but similar storylines dictating them right talented but maybe unrefined in a few areas and i'll say i'll say this with quarterbacks especially developing quarterbacks you know there's so much to take in on any given play like 
I'll, I'll gotta, I gotta share some of my time notes with you. I'll when you know when I get the chance because like it's like I try to you know I I go play by play for quarterbacks because the, again there's so much information to take into account the formation and emotions. How does the defense respond to that motion? You know the snap, the drop, the the opportunities to read the pressure, how the pocket kind of collapses, how it is affected by pressure, the coverage, right? You know how you read it. So it's a massive puzzle. Every NFL play is a massive puzzle. The pre-snap, the post-snap, you know, the edge rushers are attacking the tackles, the interior defensive linemen are attacking the interior blockers, right? Or maybe they're stunting. You got the receivers going against the corners, you got the safety managing space up top, and the quarterback is the one who has to take it all in. <laughs> so it's like, I'm not going to knock a guy if he's not there yet. Like with Will Levis, I think the biggest thing he needs to improve is in, improve that field vision. You know, he misses over open receivers from time to time. Uh, the anticipation, there's a consistent lack of anticipation on his tape. He's he's shown he can do it, but it's not consistent enough right now for me. There's enough flashes for, for me to say, yeah, I'm comfortable banking on the talent, kind of buoying, buoying him up into the first round. But, you know, it does need to improve. But at the same time, you got to understand there's so much information to take take in for a quarterback on any given snap. Now, on one hand, that can be overwhelming and that can be something that quarterbacks don't get. But at the same time, there are so many opportunities to grow because there's so much information you're taking in. Right. So it's 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 there's never a quarterback who's perfect at everything. And I think that if you're a young quarterback, if you have the right mindset, you can take advantage of that and continue to, to, to develop that skill set of reading the field and reading it quicker and processing faster. You know, I don't think there's such a thing as this guy can never be a better processor. Like if you put in the work, if you understand where to improve, it's something that you can get better at. So I, I, I'm really excited to see what these guys do, how they take advantage of that. Because like you said, I think they both have the talent. It's just a matter of kind of maximizing that talent with mechanics and with mental work. And that's something that every quarterback has to do. But uh, moving on from quarterbacks, we've been talking about them for a while. We've got a few more minutes here, around five minutes. Man, we talk a lot, Ali. I swear it's it's gonna be <laughs> different looking, with you, Con. I was looking at the clock. I was like, oh, wait, we're not gonna be talking about offensive tackles for very long. I know, man. Like, I was like, like I was, five minutes left. I was hoping maybe we'd have like ten minutes, right? And then I see it. And it's like, oh shoot, well, we we are already on the way out here. So, all right, we got like four and a half minutes now. Let's let's use it as best we can. But another topic of discussion this past week on on Twitter, on the social, on the uh, on the interweb, whatever you want to call it, is uh, you know, is the offensive tackle. Uh, class it's one thing you know i think people have been saying that it's a little bit weaker this year i try to stray from those declarations this early just because there's still so much to to you know play out right but i i will concede it does look more uncertain this year that said i mean i, I think there's talent ollie just real quick you know how does this tackle class look for you i know we've been you've scouted a couple guys at the top paris johnson peter skaronsky uh connor galvin as well um, and then I scouted Darnell Wright. And then I, there's other guys, in my opinion, that have the upside to maybe rise up. You look at Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse, Jordan Morgan from Arizona. And there's a few more beyond that. But how does this tackle class kind of lay out for you? Yeah, I think the you know, when you come off a, a class like we've had last year with elite guys with Evan Neal and, and Charles Cross and Ike McQuarney, and that was kind of from this point last year, those three guys were already like, oh, okay, these are these are these are guys, these are dudes. I think the issue is early at this early stage, there isn't that um that you know, two, three guys who you could go, look, these could be top ten 
offensive uh, picks in the class. Um, and I think that, again, the issue is further compounded because I think the guy who is the best offensive tackle in this class hasn't even taken a snap at offensive tackle yet. You know, Paris Johnson Jr., you watch his tape at guard, it is incredibly impressive. You look at how he plays the guard position. You look at his measurables. Everything trans. You, you, you can see that that translates to the offensive tackle and uh, position. And he was a high school offensive tackle as well. Let's not forget he's not ever. He's like he's not never had any experience playing offensive tackle. Um, he just hasn't played at the collegiate level. But when you you watch his tape, you can see how he will transition to be uh, a top or for me so far the top offensive tackle prospect i got him going in you know you i know you had him second overall in in your first mock draft i had him going top five to the new york jets like that's how much i think about paris johnson i think the issue then is you've got a guy who's never played tackle who's probably going to be your offensive tackle one and there isn't another two guys like there were last year that you could go oh if you're picking in the top 10 this is the offensive tackle for you like, I think this is having done a mock draft this at this point. Like I struggled where it, I got to a team where I was like, "Oh, these guys need an offensive tackle. This is who I'll put there." And there is, you know, there's going to be guys that come through. You mentioned some guys there. You know, Matthew Bergeron. Um, I know he's a he's a, um, a very highly respected um, offensive tackle out of Syracuse within the the sort of draft Twitter, if you want, if you want to call it that, independent scouting community. Um, but I look at a guy like Blake, Blake Freeland out of, of BYU. He's this kid's six foot eight, thirty-five inch arms, plays with power, violent hands, solid anchor, excellent mover for his size as well. Uh, I, I put him in the first round of my mock draft because I believe that's where his upside um, and his potential is. Um, with a, an incredible season for for BYU, um, you mentioned Connor Galvin, Peter Skaronski is going to be a, a, devi- a divisive character and I think again this is the issue with this class is you've already got a guy who's being heralded as the top one of the top offensive tackle prospects is a divisive prospect and I think that is the issue you know there's not a guy or three guys two guys where people go oh yeah these are these guys are definitely the top of the position these guys are definitely elite there's division in people's opinions already on a guy that is considered by some as one of the top prospects I think that's the issue. It's going to be super interesting to see how um, how it plays out this season. You know, I, I've just spent the last week really doing a, a deep dive on um, AAC prospects, and there's a ton of, of really intriguing, really NFL size sort of guys at the offensive tackle position in the AAC. You know, the guys can come from anywhere at any time. Um, and I think just the issue at the moment is with this class, there's not those two, three guys at the top whether it be the offensive tackle and the same for the guard uh, guard position as well. There isn't a consensus, and I think that leads people to say, look, this is going to be a bad class, but we're going to find out in the next sort of eight to ten months as, as to to what this class truly is. But first, first indications would suggest it's not quite as strong on the, in the uh, offensive trenches as we, as we saw last year. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, the consensus is kind of where the – where the opinions start to form right like yeah the consensus says it's not a great offensive tackle class but don't don't just run with that keep keep digging and keep looking for more guys because you never know 
you know, and there's always another guy that you can watch and get a get a feel for. I do think if I can use a an analogy that really um, that that's kind of flooded with recency bias here, it, it kind of reminds me of the 2022 quarterback class, right? You know, like the positional value is supposed to weigh those guys up, but again, we only saw one quarterback go in round one in 2022. You know, and right now, right now, very early, we still have to play the season. This tackle class kind of looks like that. You know, like we're not sure who's it, who it's going to be, and we're not sure if anyone's going to join them in round one. But that said, if there's the talent there, if the talent is there, then we've seen it inflate guys and, and and or not inflate, I should say, because a lot of the guys that have gone high recently deserve to go that high. But the bottom line, offensive tackle is such an important position. If the talent worth going round one is there, they're going to go round one and they might go early in round one. I mean, this past cycle, Evan Neal, Ikemaquan, Charles Cross, uh, going back a couple of years ago, Tristan Wirfs, Andrew Thomas, uh, Jedrick Wills, Kai Becton. You know, if the talent is there, there it's going to be reflected in the selections. And I think this year, Paris Johnson, the skill set, definitely translatable. I'm very excited to see him at offensive tackle because he, like you said, he played that in high school. He's got massive arms, like 36-inch arms. He's very athletic, powerful. Uh, he's actually got pretty good leverage acquisition for his size, too. So I think he could be that breakout guy who becomes that blue-chip tackle prospect. That's something that I think a lot of people are comfortable banking on right now. But who are the guys behind him? You know, when I look at, I really like Darnell Wright from Tennessee. I was a big fan of his tape. Former five-star recruit, so he's got the talent. He's built like a teenage mutant ninja turtle. I mean, the guy's insane. <laughs> uh, it, it, he's powerful. He's he's pretty athletic. So I'm a big fan of his. But then you got again Jordan Morgan, Matthew Bergeron. Uh, the list goes on and on. There, there's a lot of guys with talent. Robert Scott Jr., uh, Javon Foster. I know the Senior Bowl really likes him from Missouri. So Carter Warren from Pittsburgh. I was I was a big fan of him last cycle. Had he commit, had he um declared for the draft, I would have taken him day two. So I think Carter Warren is another one uh, with left tackle, right tackle versatility. So there's talent. It's just a matter of is someone going to step up, and if they do, who is it going to be? I think that was the same question we were asking with last year's quarterback class. There's talent. But someone's got to step up. Who's it going to be? And obviously, you know, Desmond Ritter, you know, had a successful season, but didn't quite didn't quite quell the concerns. Malik Willis, kind of a similar deal, you know, was up and down through the year and didn't quite take that leap. Sam Howell, same deal, didn't quite take that leap. Matt Corral kind of regressed a little bit. So no one was able to take that leap. Now we're turning the page to the 2023 tackle class. Who's going to take that leap? There's talent, but who's going to do it? You know, so I'm I'm really excited to see how that plays out for now. Well, all we can do in the summer evals is get a look at what prospects do well, where they can improve and come into the season prepared uh, to evaluate them through that lens. So I'm very excited to go through it with you, Ali. But in the meantime, I know you've got that go back to get ready. I know you've got a, uh, a kid on the way, so I will let you go, my friend. Best of luck. I'm going to miss you, but excited for when you come back and we can chop it up about prospects again. Thank you, Ali, for, for uh, tuning in one more time with me. And thank you, everyone out there, for listening to the latest edition of the PFN Premier NFL Draft Podcast. That's all we've got for you today. On brand, we went probably 17 minutes over, but we are going to cut it here. Thank you all for listening. Peace out. Have a good one.